Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. Hello. Welcome to another episode of the 12th Step Podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Gary. And this is Daniel. <laughs> did I stun you with hello? Did I did I throw you off? You're just, you just sound so I happy threw you to be back. off your groove. <laughs> hello. It is so good to be back. He's so he's, good to be back. He's actually in person. Fresh from our nation's capital. <laughs> and it's good to and be he's here. still got his DC voice on. <laughs> Uh, the amazing thing about technology, calling in, and uh, uh, but but it's good to be back. So. Welcome back. Yes, thank you. Uh, tonight we're actually going to address a, a, a an email that we received, and I think it's a fantastic one because it I think is. it really hits some really key points. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and read this. This is, by the way, from JD. Mm-hmm. So JD writes, "Good afternoon. I'm writing you because after years of recovery, I'm just feeling burned out with recovery." <clears throat> what a what a great starting line. I love that. For the last five years, I've been going to individual therapy once a week, specialized group therapy once a week, and attending my 12-step meeting once a week. That's a lot in a week. Beyond yeah. that, I have done my step work. I have therapy once a week with my partner, help out with uh, mentoring other individuals in my group therapy and in 12-step. And at this point, I feel like the recovery has taken over my life, and I have no time for my partner, family, friends, or even myself. Let's see. The difficult part of this is uh, that if I stop doing any of this work, my partner views that as me not being committed to my recovery. I've talked to my therapist about this, but even they, I feel like, won't give me a straight answer about it. You guys have repeated multiple times how recovery is about recovering the life you lost. But for me, I feel like the recovery is now taking up more of my life than my addiction did, and I feel more of a prisoner than I did before. Unfortunately, I believe a lot of this has to do with the strict requirements my partner has and that they allow me for no room for discussion for these things to change. You'd think that after five years of claim time and how committed I've been, to my recovery, there would be some uh, some room for discussion to loosen the reins, so to say. But sadly, this is not the case because of all of my meetings and the requirements for me not to miss any. It causes issues for me spending time with family. I miss birthdays, family events, family trips, and more because my partner's minds, or in my partner's mind, these things are not as important as recovery meetings. Even my kids complain about how often I miss stuff because I have to go to my meetings. And I want all I want to be at these events and feel these things are... Uh, I I think, let's see, I, I'm struggle reading, and I want to be at these events and feel like these are things I should be at over my meetings, especially this late in the game. I can understand if this is the first few months of years of recovery, but I'm five years in. At this point, I feel like my recovery is becoming an excuse for my partner not to have me around, but I worry that this is just me slipping into some middle circle thinking. So long story short, I'm growing tired of all of my recovery work. I want to take a break to spend some quality time with partner and kids. I'm just wondering if that's okay. Or if I'm wanting to, do, uh, or if my wanting to do this is truly elapsed, a lapse in judgment on my part. So a lot to a lot to digest there. Yeah. A, but I uh, I think each one of us have experienced to some extent uh, as as our recovery sort of moves forward. Um, I believe that we found moments in our experience where we we can sympathize with JD what he's what he's got going on in this particular point. So thoughts, <clears throat> start us off. Well, first of all, well done on asking. Sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. <clears throat> uh, reaching out and finding out whether, you know, this is a lapse in, you know, in, in judgment or, and don't, don't be getting into your middle circle sure. kind of stuff for sure. sure. But do you know what? This reminds me, this reminds me, um, 
his schedule sounds very much like mine. Right. And when I was about five and a half years into my recovery, I was doing all of the same kind of things. Sure. And actually, I was beginning to have some of the same kind of thoughts. Mm-hmm. What is what does this look like long term? Is right. am I going to be this busy? Is this time? sustainable? Is this yeah. sustainable? And especially because a lot of the a lot of the things I, I was doing, I, I felt like now this is starting to feel repetitive. Yes. You, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, and then I had my car accident and I couldn't do anything for like six months. Right. And it was interesting because I, there was a lot of things I realized that I didn't realize that I was holding on to until mm-hmm. I had this, this accident. So one of them was, is I realized that I, this is going to sound strange, but I was a little surprised that the group just kept going without me. <laughs> you mean life recovery? Just kept going? It just, recovery moves forward even I, without you. Right. I, and do you know what? Yeah. I, I, I realize how that sounds, but, but it's like, no, the groups I was mentoring, they kept doing their mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. The 12 step group that I had, helped to to set up and get going kept doing its thing yeah and they were all just doing their thing and you know and the situation my wife now the situation in my life now demanded that my attention be put onto some other things so my first thought is and this this podcast is a really good example i accept the reality that i'm going to do something recovery oriented probably for the rest of my life right Mm -hmm. now that might look very different you know, another five or 10 years down the road than it does now. But to be fair, five years ago, the idea of doing a podcast was only at that point, it was like a thing in the back of my mind. I don't mm-hmm. think that that really started happening until I met Daniel and heard about right. some of the stuff that he was doing that I thought that that was kind of a possibility. And that you met me and said, let's do this. And, and I, I thought, said, no there's, way, there's, there's no way I'm going to do this. The and lynch. then you said, well, there's, that's, that's exactly that's what right. we got to do. You're <laughs> the face and the talent. <laughs> no, yes. no, it was my denial. <laughs> <laughs> that was the face in the town because that's what pushed so, us over the edge. So there's, a, there's. A, oh, Just think, in four years we'll be doing this for three years, <laughs> or in four months we'll be doing this Do for you, three years. Wow. I was going to four years we'll be doing this for three years. No, yeah, no. <laughs> in four sure. months we'll be doing this for sure three years. Yes, no, I I messed up. But do you know what? There are a couple of things that he mentioned that I I really do want to to highlight. First of all, you don't want to become reliant on your therapist either the idea is is that you're going to get a lot of tools and that's going to work out and that should i mean when i first started recovery i was seeing my therapist twice a week sometimes Mm -hmm. more right you know and then as that went on i started spacing out soon it became once a week and then eventually it started becoming once a month right and then it turned into just to touch base or feel you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. now i don't uh, apart from the groups or you know the Sage three group that I'm in or the groups that I mentor, I don't, I don't see them in that capacity sure. anymore mm-hmm. because it's not necessary, but I'm still open to the idea of if it becomes necessary, I would go back, right. you know, and I still touch base with them when major events kind of hit and I say, Hey, what do you think about this? Right. Um, I also, I remember missing, I remember like my son in his senior year walked out he was on the football team and he walked out. And I missed that. There were a lot of things I missed, especially, but that was like really early in my recovery. Yeah. But I've noticed that in this uh, Sage group that I'm in now, in this this therapy thing, that no, I'll when something comes up, I will straight up. Now I'm going to go. As you should. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As you should. You know, yeah. As I should. But but I'm in a place where it's different. And in fact, 
the therapy that we're that we're and you guys have both done the the sage stuff. It starts talking about how to put your life, you, you know, to start living your life in a way that it integrates the principles of recovery, but yeah. it's, it's you get different. To, you get yeah. to live life. Yeah, it's not go, about I, going to meetings and that. I want to I want to sort of dovetail into some things that you're talking about here. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, I think JD has defined recovery as being a go to a meeting. Right. Or B doing a step work, or or C, uh, you know, Thank you. mentoring or something along those lines, uh-huh. right? And 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 all of that certainly qualifies as really good recovery stuff. But you know, there's an entire universe of stuff out mm, there. That's right. That constitutes recovery. Um, I mean, technically, we're doing it right now. Absolutely that's true. But but one thing that jumps to to mind is uh, there's a section obviously in our Sage One book regarding. Uh, Courtship Gone Awry is the mm-hmm. section that we talk about in there, and uh, and the the author uh, the author does a great job talking about what the twelve steps of courtship are, and identifying what those phases each one of those phases would be, and how addiction sort of overrides that. Right? What we do is is I mean the concept of gone awry is is that things that normal people do, we tend to to hang ourselves up in, and so one of the things I found myself thinking about an awful lot was well. If addiction really sort of robbed me of some of these things, could I practice some of these things in my marital situation? Could I focus on some of these steps in a healthy way? Mm-hmm. Because I know I've clearly done it in an unhealthy way. Sure. And so just just things that we can do naturally. My wife and I could go on a date and we could practice certain phases of this particular thing. What could we focus on in a different way? How could I see things differently? All of that stuff in my mind is recovery-oriented. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that recovery fits in the category of, A, I've got to go to this meeting on Monday night, B, i got to go to that meeting on Tuesday, and C, and by Friday I'm exhausted and I've missed all this stuff with my kids because that's the other thing that addiction did in my universe is it robbed me of those experiences with my children. So mm-hmm. health recovery then is is about spending time with, quality time with my kids, and they're recognizing that, hey, dad can't be there because he's got these groups. Well, Sometimes, sometimes it's okay to miss the group stuff because those things are important, and it's really particularly important in relationship with your kids. So that's my take on that. I, I just don't see, I just don't see the recovery material as being these particular issues, particularly after five years, right? I don't mm-hmm. see it. It doesn't translate into being in meetings, doing the step work, doing all that sort of stuff. Now, that brings us to the question of his spouse and what she defines as being. Uh, or a significant other, what she defines as being recovery oriented. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? I have some th- some I have some ideas, but I mean, my suggestion, you know, therapy. You know, go in with the therapist, sit down, and have a, a discussion about that. I mean, it could be that maybe she just doesn't understand that you know now it's okay to to let loose because you know she's been in this traumatic place. So that's the only way mm-hmm. she's been able to create safety she, by yeah. holding on to the rain so tough. Um, and maybe it's time to now go to a place that's safe for the two of them to have a discussion to say, okay, you know, he's been doing well for five years. Maybe it's time he can maybe just go to one week, or, mm-hmm. you know, one meeting a week right. you know, it, or relax that. Mm-hmm. No, I, I was just going to say, yeah, it sounds, now we only have the keyhole of the, of, uh, his of perspective. this e- yeah, email right. to look through, but, right. but you know, it, it's kind of a. I, I don't think that I would want my wife to see my recovery in terms of the meetings I attend. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know. Now, I, I have to. I have to 
balance my life. And, and I think, I, I think I've come to a point now where if I have like one, I think I'm to a point now where if I do one thing during the week that is like a meeting or yes. recovery oriented mm-hmm. or something like that, that serves my purpose, that keeps me focused. And then I'll do things like this. You know, we right. get together, what, twice a month, something like that. Sure. To record these kind of things. And then I'm always helping people. I still have people that I mentor, or that I coach mm-hmm. or, or things like that. So you need to you need to create what you want your recovery to look like. Okay. But I, yes, absolutely. You sh- part of recovery is rebuilding these relationships and being yes. able to mm-hmm. enjoy them and, and what that looks like because... Uh, yeah. Well, and another thing I'm thinking as you were saying that is, you know, has he had that conversation? Because maybe this is his assumption, you know, of what she she believes is, you know, if he doesn't go to every meeting, then he's not doing it. I mean, that we don't know for certain, but maybe he's just assuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and we know that's a thinking error. Um, there's and, a couple. There's a couple pieces that I unpack with all of this. First of all, I started down this path taking ownership of the fact that this was my addiction. And so mm-hmm. I very clearly expressed to my wife that this is my addiction and my recovery. So it has nothing to do with you. It's not, not your fault, not any of those things. Uh, and so as, as, my, as my recovery sort of progressed, I, I had the opportunity then to say again, this is my addiction and this is my recovery. So in other words, I, I didn't look to her to be able to define for me what recovery looked like. Mm-hmm. I didn't get. I, I didn't want her to define for me what addiction looked like. Mm-hmm. I decided to decide for myself. This is what I was struggling with in my own life, and I wanted to fix that. Whether she was with me, and I consider it. I consider it a miracle that she stayed with me. But I. But I understand the fact that if she said no, I can't. I'm not willing to go that route with you anymore. So my point being is, is that this is my addiction, my recovery, and there are places along the way where I have to be able to say you know what, I'm ready to move to the next phase. I'm, um, here I am. I'm, I'm at the place where I need to be able to do this and I need to be able to do that. It's that kind of latitude that means I'm growing and moving in the right direction. So he just, you know, I, I think it's a conversation he needs to have with his wife and she'll see that at some point in time. <clears throat> um, I, I, I don't believe, I, I, I can't believe anyway that the way she sees, she sees his recovery being as just simply going to meetings. I just can't believe that's it because there's an awful lot that happens at meetings that doesn't necessarily translate into I'm living a different life. Yeah. It just means I'm gone all the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so things to unpack there. Oh, yeah, I'm just all over the place with this one. <laughs> another, another thought that I have is like, like I said, I what you need is something that you need to sit down and have a serious discussion, not only with your spouse, but your therapist and your sponsor, you know, and understand sure. the why that you're doing it. Because, you know, some people de- need to go to a meeting every week. You right. Know? And if they're having trouble, they'll need to go more. And and you've got to stay open to the idea that, you know, I can't, you, you need to keep your options like that open. Right. You need to be honest as to why you're doing things. Yes. You know, but you can certainly... You can certainly overdo it. You can certainly overdo it. There was a there was a piece of advice I think that you gave me very early on that I think was really sage. Um, I remember you making the point that we don't want to make our our recovery our new addiction, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's no question about it that a healthy recovering human 
needs to fill the void of what addiction, addictive behavior used to look like. And oftentimes that we pack that full of all of these meetings and everything that we're doing, and we be, and that becomes our new, oh, my world, this is, this is so big, this is the new me, right? And this mm-hmm. is what I'm all about. And it becomes everything that's most important to us, and it needs to. It needs to. But as we start to taper that off, as we start to back off of that a little bit, we need to gradually fill those with healthy things. Oftentimes it's sports. Oftentimes it's, uh, you know, uh, physical exercise. It can be a variety of different things that become healthy activities for us to fill those voids in a healthy way. And I think that's the that's the recovering mind is to realize that, uh, you know, I can't maintain this schedule for the rest of my life. I can't go to meetings seven nights a week because meetings aren't necessarily the the, the mechanism that's keeping recovery in my life. Mm-hmm. It's recovering the life that I used to live or that I, that, 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 I, should, have that, that I should have had. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the key right there is, is that what, at some point in time, the meetings aren't going to necessarily provide the, the stimulus to, to make us move forward in a meaningful way. It's going to be taking what we learn and then transitioning back into the real world. That's the hero's journey, right? That's yeah. everything mm-hmm. we read about. How do we translate? How do we, how do we come away with this I've got this new piece of information. Now I'm going to take it back into the real life and apply that. And I think that's where he's at. Well, I mean, and these meetings are like, okay, I mean, I'm just thinking of this allegory, but it's pretty much, you know, imagine us, you know, as this really old beat up car, you know, we've really trashed it out in the meetings and going to therapy and that, you know, we keep taking it to the shop to have a little bit repaired here and a little bit repaired there. And as we go through this over and over, we eventually, you know, the out, you know, we get the, the exterior buffed and it looks nice and everything. But eventually the ultimate goal is to get away from the garage and to not go there anymore and only have to go there when we have routine maintenance. Right. You know, that's what the point of going to group, going to the therapist, you know, I remember, um, you know, having a sit down with Shane. He's like, you know, you know, it's great that I'm seeing you, you know, twice a week, but eventually this has to stop. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and I have to just be here when you need me. And, you know, are we there yet? The only person that can decide that is you. Right. You know, have we, you know, have we met, met that point where it's now routine or are you just coming because it's now a crutch? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, See, that's, a, that's another interesting thing is using it as a crutch. Yeah. So, I mean, I do like the fact that you kind of end it like, you know, in my, you know, his email where it's like, am I just in middle circle thinking? Am, is this just me? taking it the wrong way. So at least he's being a little introspective here. And, you know, he could be using it as a crutch. Maybe, you know, again, going back, having a discussion with his wife, like, here I am, this is what I'm thinking, you know, and then come up with a a solution that both of them are okay with. You know, she's got to definitely feel safe. But, I mean, five years is a long time to be doing all this. And it's time to say, okay, can we we step back? Can Can I... do these things because I see these as part of my recovery yeah. and it's important that I spend time with you and the kids and it's still fulfilling that, you know, part of my recovery. But at the same time, I want to adjust going to, from going to meetings to doing X, Y, and Z, right. which is still recovery work. Yeah. And, and I think that that's an important, I think that's an important point because so much of my, you know, I don't, I don't think of recovery and my life is necessarily two different things. I, right. think, I think of recovery as something that gave me the tools so that I could live a healthy life. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now that's my new lifestyle. Right. 
And I need, and I'm committed to the idea that in order to keep that 12th step, yes. you know, stuff, that I have to share that, that mm-hmm. I have to find a way to pass that on. Right. Now that can take many, many different forms, but I know that I have to do that. I have to, I have to maintain it. Now, the, the way that I do that is I'm very deliberate about my, my choices, you yes. know, so, so that, um, I always have a plan. My wife could say, you know, what are you doing for recovery? Well, well, you know, I'm going right now, I'm going to stage three, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm doing the podcast. Those are specific focus things that I'm doing. And then I'm applying these tools in my day-to-day life. Right. I'm taking the things that I'm learning in group and I'm starting to apply it. I'm, you know, I'm starting to, okay, what's my, what's the plan? What's my legacy going to be? What are the things I need? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and all that looks different. You know, if, if I choose to write a book, Okay, that's going to be very recovery focused, and that's going to take a lot of time and energy, you know. And that time and ener- that time and energy has to come from somewhere, right? You, you know, what at I a mean? sacrifice mm-hmm. of something yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, no there's an opportunity about... cost. You know. yeah. yeah, sure. But if I do it deliberately, then that can be my recovery mm-hmm. work as yeah. I go through that. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes complete no, sense. No, it does. Sure. I, uh, I'm just going to suggest to JD, uh, uh, I'm just popped open my Sage 3 book, which is, uh, this is Patrick Carnes' Recovery Zone. Uh, um, it's his volume two. So this is what we would consider our Sage 3 yes. uh, volume. And there is a, this, because this issue is such a, a relevant topic, uh, there's an entire, uh, there's an entire diagram here, a 12 step diagram on the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea notion that in every single story, and in this particular case, they're talking about, uh, I think they're talking about Star Wars, which isn't something that I necessarily relate to. So it's a little odd that I'm sharing. You need this, to so. do a little. Recovery. This is actually <laughs> funny that you're the one talking <laughs> exactly. about this one. Uh, but the irony of this is, is that, is that we have these we have these individuals that find themselves in this situation. They step themselves out of the world for a little bit and learn these miraculous skills and skill sets, and at some point have to reinsert themselves back into the real, real world. That literally is step ten, and what we're talking about. So. JD is right exactly where I would expect him to be, and that is is that I've been learning these things in recovery. I've been learning these things in my groups. I've been learning these things through SA, SAA, and now what I have to do is I have to I have to trans I have to translate what it is that I've learned. I have to I have to take this information that I've got, and I now have to step back into my my real world. And that real world is is the world I left behind mm-hmm. when I started my Sage experiences and when I started my SAA. And I have to take these skill sets and now apply them. And I think that's exactly where he's at. And what an exciting place to be, right? I mean, that's uh, that's really uh, that's really the phenomenal part of Star Wars. Now, I, I'm going to be honest. I've only seen one episode of Star Wars, so I can't really. And I was seven at the time, but so I really can't read, but rely But you've seen on. tons of other movies. But I hear you guys talking about yeah. it all the time, oh. and it sounds like that's exactly well, what's well, going on here. So the hero's, the, hero, the hero's Journey is kind of an archetypal. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, Joseph Campbell wrote it. But honestly... In my opinion, where he's at is what's so I know the heroes doing really well, but it's called the <laughs> abyss. It's at this low point. Okay, you know, it is the exact opposite e- uh, end of the call to adventure when you have to move forward. Right, right. And this is the point where it's really pivotal for the the character. Do I turn back, or do I move forward? Right. You know, things are really difficult. They're challenging. You know, things are good and bad at the same time. Do I mm-hmm. push forward? And then move into what's called the transformation stage, where things transform and become amazing. Or do I go backwards? You know, up until that point, you have a lot of you know, you have your mentor, your helpers, and stuff like that. The guardian character in the story that's always mm-hmm. helping you out. 
And now you're, you're at a pivotal point to say, okay, do I charge forward? Right. And I think that's where JD's at. He's in that abyss, you know, and it's also called death and rebirth, where he's at this point where he can either choose to kind of die and just do this, you know, this everything and not really reclaim his life. Mm-hmm. He's just going to do what's been he's been told, you know, or as Shane would put it, be Melvin milk toast, <laughs> and just go along. <laughs> or does he take a step forward and say, hey, I have reached a point. I have done all this work. Yeah. Can we now loosen things? To... Can we loosen things up? Make things so that I can be at these these events with our kids. Spend more time with you. Go to family trips or whatever those events are. Let me demonstrate the skills I've and then learned. let me yeah let me demonstrate yeah. those and show that you know the transformate transformative power to you of what I've experienced and what I've yeah. learned. Right, and then recognize that putting the time into those relationships is actually also recovery Our recovery yeah. work you yeah, know that's in, right. in fact that's one of the things that the sage three has you do is start mm-hmm. rebuilding your real you know yeah. well and, meaningful relationships. and the beautiful part about that is is he's doing that that goes to the next part of the hero's journey which is atonement you know sure. he's going to be able to atone the the whatever has happened in his marriage with his wife by showing him look these are the things I've learned, and now she can see those things actively and now, happening. And now we can pursue the marriage and the relationship yeah. that we've always wanted. That we've yeah. always wanted, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very, very applicable tool. Um, I, uh, I've, it's something that really resonated with me as we've gone through this a couple of times now. It just just where am I at along this path? Where am I at along this, this journey? And so uh, when J.D. sends a, an, an email and asks those questions, it causes me to reflect. Where am mm-hmm. I at? What's happening in my world? Is recovery my new addiction? Is, uh, am I involved? My, you know, have I reached a stagnant place? Right. What do I need to do to keep recovery very much a forefront of my life? Because I'm certainly not interested in just drifting back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not interested in that. So I want to do things that are recovery-oriented every day as well. Gratefully, uh, I'm, I'm ha- I have an opportunity to visit with my wife and say, well, where are we at? What is it that, that means the most to us? And, mm-hmm. uh, and we've, trans- we, we've, we've moved literally from the individual uh, recoveries or re- individual sessions with, uh, with a counselor to now a marriage counselor mm-hmm. and some of those things, all of which are recovery-based. Mm-hmm. So very much appreciate where it's going and how it's, how it's working out because she's very much a part of that. I do think, I do think that you need to make sure that if you choose... If you're going to choose to start cutting back on some of this stuff, which I think is absolutely fine, but you need to do it with the right frame of mind mm-hmm. and the right attitude. You yes. certainly need to talk to your sponsor. You certainly need to talk to your wife. But you definitely do not want to do it because you resent it or you're tired of it. Correct. Or you're, it's like, I'm done with this because I'm right. burned. You no. Know, you, you need to exit these things in a healthy, deliberate right. way. Right. Not, not a, in a reactive I'm tired of this kind of stuff. No, yeah, I mean, you yeah. bring up a valid point. You definitely don't want to be coming at this from a place of resentment. Right. And you can kind of maybe see there could be some resentment in there where it's like, I'm just tired. I've done this for five years. She won't let me stop. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can kind of feel that. And that just may be because it's, it's an email. You can't really express that. Sure, yeah. And we're just kind of reading into that. But Well, you know, we try to cover all of our bases. Yeah, you so. definitely want to yeah. sit back and say, okay, am I coming at this from a place of resentment? And anger, yeah. Or, you know, am I just at a place where it's time to move forward because I want to be reinserted back into my family? I want to be reinserted back into my life because I've learned a lot of tools that I can do that, and mm-hmm. I want to do that yeah. moving forward. I'm going to make a, a another observation in his email that that I think is interesting. He makes a comment that uh, he'd like to talk to his therapists 
about that. I've talked to my therapist about this, but even they, I feel like, won't give me a straight answer about it. They is an interesting word to well, use. He, and he uses they throughout a time or two, uh, and I'm, I'm fine with the, the pronoun concept of well, what he's talking about here. More, than, than, one more than one therapist. But what's interesting about this is, is if there's concern about your therapist not giving you a straight answer, that's problematic on multiple levels, yeah. right? I do believe that our therapists are, have our best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes that plays out in ways that we can't, don't necessarily understand. I know that there have been lots of people who have come and gone from some of our, from our very own counselors, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the meetings that we've attended, partly because uh, you know they struggle with his bedside manner, just to, to, to be quite honest. And I've come to appreciate, I've come to appreciate that bedside manner in more ways than one, simply because it breaks down the pieces that I need. I, I don't see it as though he's hitting me. I think what he's doing is hitting hard at my addiction. And I need to be able to, to separate and break that down in a meaningful way. And I think he's been able to do that for me. I, so I, I believe that it would be wise for J.D. to have a conversation that I think he's saying to himself, well, they're probably not going to see my best interest in this particular case. They want me to keep coming or whatever the case may be. And I don't believe that to be true. Mm-hmm. I think the counselor will, uh, uh, the counselor that he's seeing or the counselors that he's seeing will uh, will really have his best interest at heart and say, you know, let's let's talk about a plan about transitioning you into a more healthy, uh, yeah, a more healthy uh, situation because I think that's what they want. Yeah, and if that means cutting back on sessions with the counselor, if that means my experience with my counselor has been, yeah, let's talk about what makes the most sense. Mike, you've been doing this for quite some time, um, and it makes sense. In fact, I'll I'll share with you uh, even a conversation of tonight that neither of you are privy to. Uh, I stayed afterwards and had a chance to visit with our own counselor. I have an opportunity to participate in another group with a counselor that I've been attending for for my uh, uh, with my marriage about this. my marriage counselor. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I I'm gonna I had a chance to visit with our counselor and talk to him about that. And and turned out he'd actually he'd actually suggested that I take an opportunity to go a different direction. And the reason for that was is because he knows full well that as long as I've been doing this, that it's great to see it from a different perspective. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah. healthy. That's healthy. He wants yeah. the best for me and my situation. And so he's encouraging it for me to move to a, not not to cut this one particularly short, but but yeah. to move to a different direction and a different opportunity, because what that does is it grants me a different perspective that can only bolster my recovery, not hinder it. And right. Not only that, I mean, what help can you add to that other group? Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. A change, a yeah. change can be as good as a break. That's right. Yeah. Well, That's I, right. And the other thing I'm also wondering is, you know, because my own experience, how much is he hemming and hawing, like where he's not being forthright with the therapist? So of course the therapist isn't giving a direct answer, because I, I remember instances where I was kind of hemming and hawing around a question. And of course, you know, our, our therapist wasn't giving me a straight answer because I wasn't giving him a question that he could say, do this or do that. And so it may be that with you hemming and hawing around it, he's, your, your therapist isn't going to give isn't you the answer you what want. You're putting down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. maybe, you know, you're saying, well, you know, she just won't let me, uh, stop going to my meetings. Well, you're not really saying, Hey, I think I've reached a point where I want to pull back and start coming less often. 
which would open up that dialogue and that discussion with the therapist. Yeah. You know, because where it's kind of this passive aggressive way to get to it. And of course the therapist isn't going to go, well, all right, well, because she's saying that, you know, maybe we should talk to her and reduce that. Um, you know, again, it comes to open communication, just kind of saying, Hey, this is what I'm feeling. This is where I'm at. You know, whether that's with the therapist or the wife or the partner and say, how do we move forward? Right. What's the best mm-hmm. solution here? And I think it needs to be that deliberate too. Yeah. I think I, so as well. I've, you know, when we did the first Sage 2 group, okay, it, it didn't, it didn't have quite a structured syllabus that it does now right. That, right. that our counselor has. It was just kind of an open-ended thing. Mm-hmm. All right. So we kind of went through the material and then when we got done with the book, we would, kind of pick something else and we would go through that and we'd pick something else. We'd go through that. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of this open-ended thing. And then maybe about once a year we'd go back and we'd go through that recovery zone one book again. We were doing this as kind of a holding pattern waiting for recovery zone two to, right. to come out. And I felt really committed to this, which is, you know, and so I'm, I'm, you know, starting to come close to and this. It was what I was doing with the accident. And this is why it was so surprising to me. It's like, Oh, it just, kept going and I'm and look at me I'm just fine I've got it right but my point my point in this in saying this was is that in the years that I did that I saw a lot of people come and I saw a lot of people go right mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm coming back around to that leave you know on a positive note I never saw anything good come of anybody who left because they were angry or resentful or right tired of it or you know done I saw nothing but good from the guys who said, you know, and this was part of what we do. They would say, guys, tonight's going to be my last, last night. You know, Mm -hmm. I've been talking to Shane about it. You know, this is an exit plan, but I think that this has taken me as far as it can. And I'm going to be doing this in the future. That's right. This other thing. And do you know what? I've never seen anything but good results from those those situations. I agree. And, and, but they had a plan and they knew what they were doing and the recovery didn't stop. It was now being applied. I think a lot of, a lot of, especially that initial stuff and especially the therapy, the 12 step is something that you can actually, that can be something that you can do for your whole life. That's kind of a maintenance thing. That's mm-hmm. a really good thing. If you don't have another way to, to put your energies into something absolutely fantastic, right? you know, way to opportunity to do that. Um, but the therapy stuff I think eventually you need to get to the point where you can do without it. That's and right. You still have it as an option, but you don't need it like you did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Routine maintenance. Right. Routine maintenance. And it has to be, you have to be, but you, but you have to do that with a plan and you right. have to be deliberate and thoughtful about it. And, and it can't be haphazard. Right. You know, I'm going to share a piece of advice as well. I mean, part of the reason why his spouse may be, maybe concerned about this is, is it's the visible thing that she can see that he's yes. actually doing something in recovery. What would happen if we were to share more with our spouse regarding what we are doing, right? Um, <clears throat> just sharing with them throughout the day, hey, today I had this experience and I used this tool and mm-hmm. this is what I did. Or today I'm going to be, I'm going to be very um, um, deliberate about how I'm going to go about this particular thing. You and I are heading shopping today, and we know full well what the situation may be, where it is that we're going shopping, or we're going to the pool, or we're doing this with a family. And so let's put together a let's put together a safety plan that both of us can participate in. All of those things include our spouse and our recovery that isn't necessarily meeting-oriented, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And what that does is, is that 
it engenders some sort of a, a sense that a sense that recovery is still going on. He's still working his recovery, but it didn't translate into having to go to a meeting. Right. Uh, I'll be clear with everybody. There's no magic in the meetings. There just isn't. It's not like, you know, you step through the door and this pixie dust comes out upon us and, and suddenly we walk out with new levels of new levels of, uh, of commitment and that sort of thing. We've seen lots of people relapse just by going to meetings. Sure. So there has to be something more to it. it, it and the key to it is, is to share that then with our spouse such that they see it in right. our lives. But if if your idea of what recovery looks like is meetings and that's all you know, then right. that's what you're going to look for. That's what you're going to look for. That's right. And, and But quite honestly, recovery has more to do with what you do between the meetings and what exactly. you do at the meetings. Exactly. That's exactly true. So a couple things as we wrap up. First of all, congratulations, J.D., on five years of, yeah. of clean time or recovery. I mean, that's a, that's a remarkable that's a remarkable thing, and I take my hat off to you for that. Uh, secondly, uh, congratulations on reaching out. I think uh, that's always a good sign that a person's in the right place when they start when they start asking questions. Hey, I'm at this place. What's the next thing for me? Where am I supposed to go? What's uh, what's happening in my world? So, congratulations on reaching out. That's a that's also a fantastic thing. Uh, and and congratulations on recognizing the fact that. That there are other people in your life that are, you know, that are missing you or that are that are a part of your recovery and, and want you to be successful. I mean, that's uh, as much as it sounds like it may be a negative in your situation. It's also a very positive to know that you're loved. There are people who want you to be a part of their life, and that uh, what what a blessing, right? Yeah. There are, uh, even those, you know, even those that are within the sound of our podcast even tonight who are saying, "Gee, wouldn't it be great if?" Right. So what a blessing to have. What a blessing to have kids and and a, a spouse that's very interested in your success. That's a that's a big deal. So, um, so anyway, that's a, uh, that's my take on it. Any other final thoughts? <clears throat> Be deliberate with what you're doing. Whatever you do, do it with a plan. Yeah, do it with wisdom. And um, do you know what? Maybe sit down and ask yourself. Maybe broaden your view of what recovery is going to look like because you're going to have to be able to to define that too. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and recognize that a lot of the other things that you're doing in your life are recovery. Absolutely. You, you know, maybe you don't think of them that way or see them that way. And maybe that's a contributing, a contributing factor. Absolutely. So great point. So see, see that for what it is. And, but yeah, I'm, I'm on board with, with Mike. congratulations on all your stuff. And what yeah. is it typically the end of, Act two, right? If it's a movie, end of act two is where you're at. <laughs> yeah, the that's heroes right. at their at their their abyss, their low. Yeah, point, it's right? the abyss. You know, yeah, you're uh, kind of at that low point. You're, so, I mean, you're at a, a really good place to springboard into your future. Yeah, you know, momentum. And, yeah, yeah. It's not that you're at a low point where it's like, man, life is just horrible. Like rock bottom. This is you know the bottom of the swing before you start swinging up, where it's yeah, the, mm-hmm. the or the pendulum. Yeah. You know, if you can get past this point, and you know. Look at all the amazing things you've done, right? You know, and you know, accept that, and not only that, be deliberate, like you said. Mm-hmm. Identify all the recovery things that you are doing in your life. You'd be surprised that that fog or whatever is holding you back really isn't there. It's right. all imaginary, right. and you're just going to swing on through it, and you're going to soar. 
I will tell you that you'll be practicing steps 10, 11, and 12 the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there is and, no end to this. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's no end to those. So that's, that's no graduation from this sort of stuff. That's right. But so, there's yeah. many graduations, even a mini ones, <laughs> many moments. There's no final so, one. But, yeah. So, so you'll be doing something recovery oriented probably for the rest of your life. And that's fine because when, when you recognize what recovery is, it's living a good life. Yes. Yeah. Better than you can possibly imagine. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, fantastic. What a great discussion. Thank you all. Uh, So this is Mike saying, doing the work necessary to find the peace that recovery can bring. And this is Gary saying, do the next right thing. And this is Daniel saying, find... Wow, I forgot. Find humility. Oh, that's right. Find humility in your recovery. (laughs) Wow, it's been way too long. That's... that's, This is my bad. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode... Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find us. As a fellowship of recovering addicts, Sex Addicts Anonymous offers a message of hope from anyone who suffers from sex addiction. Check out saa-recovery.org.